I finally got rid of Hop. God, I thought he'd never go away. But now, I had this whole place to myself. I walked out of the train station, took a right, and before me was this place called the Wild Area. I thought it was going to be like any other park or wild area in the previous worlds, but no. This was so much different than the other ones. Off in the distance, there was a clock tower with a giant brick wall, clearly the city I needed to get to. But I couldn't help but notice all of the Pokemon just wandering around. This is what we had been wanting for so long. This is the world that we've wanted since the beginning. I walked down the hill. There was an onyx to my left. I decided to leave him alone. There were these other Pokemon in the grass. I didn't know what they were. I just went up and started walking towards them. Then they ran away. There was a Butterfree flying around in the distance, a Gyarados out in the water. They were all here. And then some of them actually started to chase me, but it was fun. This was the world that we always wanted. This is the world that us Pokemon fans that grew up with it, this is what we longed for for so many years. And it was finally here. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know all of the adventures that would lie ahead. But what was cool is that I was finally in a world of Pokemon that I could actually explore, not just follow along with. I mean, yes, there were a clear path of arenas that were ahead, but this was different. I could write this story however I wanted. This was going to be great. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Crestiodas, and welcome to episode three of Great Big Worlds. This is a very exciting episode because it is all about Pokemon Sword. I'm super excited about this episode because Pokemon has always had a special place in my heart. I, like many millennials, grew up with Pokemon. We basically lived and breathed Pokemon for a couple of years in the late 90s. And what's amazing to me is that after all of these years, all of this time, the, even the latest generation of kids and, and even other generations that weren't into Pokemon before are now getting more and more into it. Now, I think a lot of it does have to do with Pokemon Go, which Maybe I'll do an episode on that later on. I'm not sure if that would fit the virtual world theme that we have here at Great Big Worlds. But uh, but yes, this, this podcast, this is entirely about the virtual worlds that we live in, these second lives that we have 
in other games and video games and that's what this is all about and this episode is all about pokemon sword and pokemon shield but i happen to have pokemon sword so we'll talk about that one now pokemon sword what made this game so special and so unique is the fact that nintendo and the pokemon company really took this world the Galar region, I believe is what it's called, and made it what most open world games are really like. And that's what made this game so special. And I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't honestly expecting the openness and the exploration uh, that you can do in Pokemon Sword. I thought it was going to be like you know, any other Pokemon game. Part of me was hoping it wasn't really like Pokemon Let's Go Play Eevee and Pikachu, or is it Let's Go Play or Let's Go? That was a weird setup. It was too much of a blend of Pokemon Go and the original games. This game, though, Pokemon Sword and Shield, if you're a diehard you know, Pokemon fan and you've played the games, this follows that same feel, but it builds and builds and builds on it. It's absolutely spectacular what they've done so let's talk about that world a little bit the galar region and i should probably check before i start recording these episodes but yes it's galar the galar region it's huge uh it has a very british european vibe to it um, it's almost like you went into Great Britain and you start off in this little town uh, well I guess it's a town uh, Postwick is where you technically are just outside of Wedgehurst and next to the slumbering weld and this whole area this whole first part it's the pallet town right of the game you start off talking to your mom it's odd, actually. There's not a lot of dads in this game. I wonder why. In any Pokemon game, when you think about it. Hmm. But anyway, there's a lot of uh, kind of British stone wall, old timey, you know, beautiful building kind of theme going on. And I really like it. I. I immediately felt like it was a whole different place, a different world than any of the other Pokemon worlds. When you first start the game, not only is it spectacularly beautiful in terms of the graphics because you're on Switch, but it's also just very immersive in that old English style and setting. And I'm sure some people that listen to this or that have played the game uh, and live in the UK, probably can speak more to the similarities uh, since I've never actually been there yet. Um, but what I like is, you know, the story of this game builds up and builds up, uh, but you're thrown into this world pretty fast. And you notice, just like in Pokemon Let's Go, that the Pokemon here in this world, in, in Pokemon Sword and Shield, they're completely and totally open. They're out there. 
There's no shaky grass that you can't see what's in there. You actually see the Pokemon running around, and in some cases, they may chase after you, like I said. <laughs> some cases, they run away. It just depends on the type of Pokemon and how aggressive they are. I loved that, too. It really felt like you were there. You were, you were in the real world of Pokemon for the first time ever. And because it had the classic gameplay like the other older Pokemon games, it just felt like this was it. You know, this is what we've wanted for the past 25 or 20, 25 years or 20 years of Pokemon. We've wanted this kind of open, immersive world that we could just wander around in. And we got it. We got it with Pokemon Sword and Shield. Which makes me really excited for all of the games coming up because it's only going to get better. And of course, later on this year, they're releasing the Expansion Pass, which is a new thing. Adding extra parts of the world and extra expansions to the map of Pokemon Sword and Shield for a small fee of 20 or $30, I think it was. But it sounds like there's a lot of content. And there's also new worlds to explore, so I'm sure I'll do another episode moving forward. But right now I want to talk about the current world, the current map that you have in this game, in Pokemon Sword. And I want to paint a picture beyond just the wild area, because I thought that this was going to be this European-themed very British style game for the entire adventure. And I was completely wrong. Because near Turf Field, for instance, you end up wandering into a desert, really a high desert. That place was especially fascinating to me because in the real life, I currently live in a desert. And so I was pretty delighted when I saw, after I left Motostoke City, that there was this mine that I had to go through and this kind of dusty, mountainous landscape. There was just tons of rock Pokemon and ground Pokemon everywhere. Trainers, every corner you turned around. and. In this region, the trainers that were there were particularly interesting. There were some scientists, actually, quite a few scientists, if I remember correctly. It's been a little while since I've ventured over into that world, but when I did get into that, I should say not world, but that part of the world, the kind of deserty, uh, turf field, Galar mine world, uh, but when I was there, I do remember there was a lot of a lot of scientists. I believe you can collect fossils. At least I think I collected a few, but I never did anything with them. These scientists are they're interesting characters, and you'll find this throughout all of the Galar region. Is there is an eccentric group in each part of the world? It's not like the Alola region, for instance, where you know, pretty much everybody kind of had this Hawaiian kind of feel and vibe and island kind of uh, 
kind of personality or, or vibe, I guess, is the only way to explain it. But no, in Galar, it's a bit different than that, a lot different than that. In fact, it's way more diverse. It's probably the most diverse world I've ever seen, which is awesome. Because when you're playing, it doesn't feel like just one game anymore. And in fact, there isn't just one goal or one mission that you have either. Now, without spoiling some things, there are kind of two parallel main stories. And I promise I'll spare the details. I try to be more vague on the details of the gameplay and the story. Uh, but there might be some spoilers in this. We'll see. But back to Turfield in that area, you know, I, I'll use that as an example of, you know, it's almost as if you, you stepped into a different part of the world as a whole, the whole Pokemon world, not just the Galar region. And it kind of makes you almost want to stay in certain parts and then quickly get out of others. Like, for instance, the part of the Galar region that I don't really care too much for is the snowy, I'm going to probably butcher the name here, but Kerchester, uh, Surchester. It's like a ski resort town. Actually, no, it's not a ski resort town. It's a, a spa and hot spring resort town. But it's in the mountains. It's very snowy. You can guess what type of Pokemon are going to be in a snowy area. And you do find a lot of them. Uh, but I don't like the snow in the real world, and come to find out, I don't really like it in the virtual world either. But next to that region was the town of... I'm going to butcher this name too. I they're, they're very interesting names, let's just put it that way. Balanlea. It's probably the most remarkable... Not my favorite, it's not Turfield. I love the desert. But it was the most surprising world I ever saw. And because you're playing this on a Nintendo Switch, it changes everything. When I walked through the Glimwood Tangle, you realize that it's not really a cave, but it's more a tunnel of trees, which is really wild. And these trees, these forests, have glowing mushrooms. It's just pure magic, actually, as you walk through. I mean, these are kind of the, the homes of the fairy Pokemon. And it shows with the glowing mushrooms, with the kind of glittery air that's around you. It's a little hard to describe. But when you're in there and you hear the music of the area and you're surrounded by these giant mushrooms that if you tap them, they actually will light up and illuminate the path for you. And when you do this, you realize that there is something at the end of this tangle, but you're not quite sure what it is. And in fact, while I was wandering through, I had completely forgotten the fact that there was probably a gym in this area. And sure enough, there was. In fact, you will see that on the map, this isn't really a spoiler, but there is a gym in 
Balanlea, I believe, is how you pronounce the... That's how I'm going to call this town. But the Glimwood Tangle and Balanlea are another place that you kind of want more of. I didn't really want to leave that place. I didn't want to leave Turfield ever either. I, I wanted to see more. I wanted to have more of a town to explore. I wanted to have more of the the, the shiny, glittery uh, forest and the, the dry, dusty you know mountains. It had me wanting more. And that actually makes me kind of excited for these expansion passes because they are adding additional places, additional regions different landscapes so there's a chance that pokemon could grow and pokemon sword and shield could have more of balanlea's world or the turf field mountains just on an island off the coast or something i hope they do that i really do but because the pokemon are shown and they're always there and they're always visible when you're walking through the Glimwood Tangle, you see those Pokemon sneak up on you, those little mischievous fairy and dark Pokemon. You see them. There's no avoiding them. It, it kind of adds a little bit more of an anticipation. I remember running away from one because they were like little gremlins almost. I can't remember the names of those Pokemon, but they were, they were like little gremlins. And I just wanted to get away because I had already caught a couple of them and they, they're so mischievous. I did find out though later on that if you tap the mushrooms that light up and you illuminate the path, it actually scares those Pokemon away. Which is so cool because you actually can interact with the environment and have an effect on the Pokemon that are around you. It's never been like that before in any game before this, any Pokemon game. It's pretty amazing. But then, towards the end, you end up in Winden. Winden's an interesting city. And this story, the two parallels of the typical badge achievement, going to the gyms, they call them arenas in this game. Going to these, you kind of sort of know what to expect. Although these gyms are full-on arenas. I mean, it feels like you're in a soccer arena. It's remarkable. It's The rush is way more intense than your typical gym battle. But when it comes to the other storyline, and I won't spill the beans on any of it if you haven't played it already, you need to play it. But it made me realize that once I got my badges, the story wasn't over, and I wasn't done exploring this world of Pokemon Sword. I had, so, oh, so much more to do, even after getting the badges. And it's one of those games where, because the world's so massive and you're following a story, there's all these little hidden things that you're like, I need to come back to that. Ooh, I should check that out later, but I really gotta get to this arena. It's not a one-and-done kind of deal where you just finish the game and start a new character. You actually can finish the game and keep going back and exploring new way, new areas, and new Pokemon keep popping up everywhere. 
Pokemon, I mean, in regions that I was already at, and I clearly remember exploring and catching Pokemon at, now that I go back, all of a sudden, sometimes there's some new ones that I've never seen before, and they're there. I don't know if that's just my kind of neglect of paying attention, or if they really are adding new Pokemon as the game goes on. It should be interesting. We'll see. But I loved this game, and I loved this world. The Galar region of Pokemon Sword and Shield has been my all-time favorite region, and it has become my all-time favorite Pokemon game. It really has. It is the best of everything that we loved in the previous games, and nothing that we hated. <laughs> like Pokemon Go. Not Go, sorry. Pokemon Let's Go, and it's weird leveling up and catching of Pokemon. I didn't really like that too much. But we got it in this. We got our typical way of catching Pokemon and making sure that we battled to level up and there was no catching or using fruit to level up your Pokemon. It was great. It's really great. Oh, and then there's another thing. Camping. We'll finish off the episode with a little bit about the camping in the Galar region. When you're camping, it's interesting because it's not just a fun little thing to do, but you can actually help your Pokemon. You cook curry with your Pokemon and sometimes other players. In fact, there is a way to actually turn on a feature that shows you other players who are in the world with you, which I ended up turning off to get through the story, but I'll probably turn back on now that I'm through the main stories. But the camping is one of those things where you can join in and cook curry and play with your Pokemon, and it actually affects how they level up. It gives them experience. It restores their health. It's useful. It's not just cute and fun, which is really cool. And the campsites are pretty brilliant actually because they're so easy to set up just anywhere and your pokemon the more you camp and the more you play with them the closer your relationship and your bond with your pokemon are so as you're traveling through this world and you're battling in these gyms there's some perks and benefits to a pokemon that's motivated and feels like it can trust you it's like a real human-to-human -human relationship in the real world, but this time you've got to manage that with your Pokemon. It's pretty cool. Actually, it's probably more along the lines of a relationship with your pet. But it's great. And the camping was something I thought I wouldn't use a lot, but I actually do use quite a bit. Also, mostly to try to unlock achievements for, for my cooking abilities that you can unlock with your, your curry recipes. Oh, there is one more thing that we need to talk about. And that's the Pokemon themselves. I've talked about the world. I've talked about venturing around and exploring all these different areas, but I haven't talked about the Pokemon. And in this game, there are so many Pokemon. You have your first 150, and you have several other Pokemon. In fact, I want to say there's at least several hundred different types of Pokemon. Now, what I like is that some of them have a special Galar region 
uh, presence. We'll talk about wheezing, for instance. Uh, wheezing happens to be my favorite Pokemon of all time. Back as a kid, I loved coughing, uh, and uh, James from Team Rocket. And when coughing evolved into wheezing, I just fell in love with wheezing. And since uh, the '90s, wheezing has been has been my Pokemon. So I was really excited to see that the Galar region wheezing actually had a very interesting, unique type of look to him. It has a very top hat, old British gentleman look to him. And the top hats, uh, you can of course Google Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield wheezing, and you'll be able to see. But I'll describe a little bit about what wheezing looks like. To follow again with that British theme, the top hat, which is actually smokestacks uh, that come out of the top of wheezing, but they are shaped to look like big hats. And it's appropriate because of the kind of industrial age of the UK, the also the top hat and kind of uh, mustache and goatee look that wheezing has the facial hair, I guess you could say, the dapper look. Uh, it's really great, and, and, and it's really well done. Um, what I liked about this Pokemon, though, is I thought, oh, he's a very pollutant type of Pokemon. But it's not that at all. In fact, Weezing in the Galar region emits clean air when he... Uh, when the smoke is coming out of the smokestacks. You have to look into it a little bit. Uh, and now I'm able to look at my wheezing, actually one of them that I've caught. I've caught a, a lot of coughings and wheezings in this game. Uh, they're my favorite, so what can I say? And I'm using the Pokemon Home app on my phone to take a look at my box that I have with some of my Galar region Pokemon. This wheezing happens to be one of them. The interesting thing here is they even go as far as describing the nature of this particular wheezing, which is bashful, and was first met in the Galar region. And my wheezing has a characteristic that it likes to take plenty of siestas, so lots of uh, naps. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, though, uh, to kind of see All of these unique Pokemon, but they were part of the original 150. I think the one that was the most unsettling was the Galar region Meowth. And if you played the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's weird. In fact, it's really, really weird. It's a I believe a dark type Pokemon. It has this kind of big, almost lion's mane face. Uh, but I'm gonna just say it, it doesn't look like a lion's mane, it looks like a ball sack. It's, it's kind of horrible to look at. In fact, I have a normal Meowth as well that I actually use uh, instead um, of the Galar region Meowth just because it's weird. I can't look at it. And it's got these horns. I don't, I don't quite understand what's going on. But it's unique. 
Now there are some other little Pokemon too. Uh, I am a sucker for the really small, little cutesy uh, grass type Pokemon. Uh, Eldegoss was one of them uh, that is an evolved Pokemon, but has a small little cotton Pokemon. And I really liked that one. Um, the uh, Milsery, I believe is what it's called. Uh, it is uh, a very, uh, I believe it's a, a certain type. It's a, basically a dessert Pokemon. It's a fairy Pokemon. Um, but it, it kind of fits the mythical kind of old world style of this Galar region uh, to have these types of Pokemon in there. None, none of them feel out of place in this world. Uh, and because you can see them as you're walking through anywhere, it's not even just tall grass, then you know you can kind of see what catches your eye and what Pokemon you want to catch. I just try to catch them all. But, but the Pokemon are amazing in this world. The world itself is amazing. It's more open. It's more of the Pokemon game that we've wanted for a long time. So I feel like any Pokemon fan out there, diehard fan that grew up with Pokemon in the 90s and still holds on to that nostalgic feeling that you get when you play one of these games, you're gonna like this game a lot. It's worth getting. It's worth getting a Nintendo Switch just to play this game. I will actually put that out there. There's a lot of other great games on the Switch as well, but because of the graphics quality, because of the power of the Switch, it's no, nowhere near what a PS4 or Xbox is, but it still renders a spectacular world with beautiful effects and the capabilities of actually putting Pokemon out there for all to see and to connect with other players, which is what I am going to do next. And that's all I've got for the Galar region, the Pokemon, and the game itself, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, don't forget to subscribe and leave a nice little rating and review in your podcast platform of choice, if they allow reviews, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to leave a nice five-star rating. And thank you again for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode, a very exciting episode, about a game that I've been enjoying for a little over a year now and has a very unique following. You'll just have to wait to see what it is.